Today on Awaken to Grace, we're in part two of a sermon in Mark chapter five, as we are being introduced to three people who are desperate for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to meet the man who was tormented by demons. We're going to meet the woman who suffered for 12 years with a blood disease in her body. And then lastly, we're going to meet the young girl, the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and we're going to have a front row seat to Jesus and his mighty miracles. Friends, if you're listening today and you are desperate for the Lord, if you're in a place where you need the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're walking through a divorce. Perhaps you're going through a mental illness or a physical illness. Maybe you need a miracle today. Well, my friends, I want to encourage you that Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Lord is able to step right into the middle of your life, just like he did with these three people that we are going to meet in Mark chapter 5. Look to the Lord today. If this sermon encourages you, I would love to hear from you. I would love to know where you're from. I would love to know how I can pray for you. I'd love to hear from our listeners. Send me an email, pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase. I can't wait to hear from you. I can't wait to connect with you. Download my free mobile app, Awakened to Grace, and let's connect to one another. Well, today we are part two, Mark chapter 5. Let's build our faith together. And you know what? As, as things that are demonic, let, let me tell you, when they encounter the things of God, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be frightened. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And you know what you do? You just, you just say, no, I resist you in Jesus' name. I shut the door in Jesus' name. You're done. Go. Finish. Go in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. Why? Because it's not your authority. It's his authority. Amen. Amen. Now, you think about this. If a police officer here in town steps on, what's one of the busiest roads? Stone Drive. If a police officer steps into the middle of Stone Drive in uniform and goes like that, what are cars going to do? Now, isn't that interesting? They're going to stop. Now, could a car mow him down? Oh, sure. In his flesh, in his strength, could he stop traffic? No. A police officer would be no match for a vehicle. So why do you suppose the cars stop? Because he has authority. He has been given authority by our city government to literally, with one hand, that man can stop traffic, even though all he is is flesh and bone. Am I making sense to anybody right now? And that's why when there are things that you encounter, when there are things that, that uh, and, and, and let, let me tell you, see, again, you, you got to have spiritual eyes to see this stuff. You remember in Las Vegas, you remember when that horrible massacre happened that that man shot all those people? You remember that a few years ago? 
And, and I remember the media that nobody could figure out the motive. I'll tell you the motive. It was demonic. Evil does not need a reason. Evil doesn't need a motive. And when you see things that are evil, when you see things that aren't quite right, let me tell you, you have the authority in the name of the Lord to say, be muzzled. Stop your activity in Jesus' name. That's our authority, amen? And we deal with it all the time. So Jesus... He cast them out. Now, something odd happens. They request that they would go into a herd of pigs. And then something even more odd happens. Jesus grants them permission. They go into this herd of swine. They go over the embankment, and they drown in the Sea of Galilee. Wow. What a dramatic thing. You know what I've never understood as many years as I've read this text? I've never understood why there were a herd of 2,000 pigs in Israel. I never understood it because pigs are not kosher and they were unclean and Jews wouldn't have had anything to do with pigs. What I discovered, this is on the border of Gentile territory. These, God's people were raising pigs to sell to the Gentiles. This whole area was out of order. This whole area was unclean. Here demons are running wild. They're tormenting this man. He's living in the tombs, a live man living among the dead. And now they got this swine or this herd of 2,000 swine. And everything's flipped up on its head. Friends, let me tell you, that's just like our culture today. Look around, watch the news. Everything is out of order. And when the people of God show up and when we start to pray and we start to fast with authority, then things get set into order, amen? Amen. And there are people all over our city who are bound and they're shackled by the enemy and they're tormented in their mind and they're tormented in their heart and they're tormented in their soul. And listen, God's given us the authority to set them free. But these things only come through prayer and fasting. That's it. And would we be content to just sing our songs? And would we be content to just drink our coffee and have church as normal and go through the religious motions when Satan has bound so many lives and suicide and mental illness is on like a rampage throughout our culture? Will we be content to let people just Slip off into hell. No, not me. I can't do business as usual. I can't do church as usual. God's calling us to press in. God's calling us to a higher level, a higher realm of where God wants to work in people's lives. And today we're going to see exactly, I believe, what God desires. So Jesus cast them out. That's what you and I are to do. We're to cast it out. We're to not put up with Satan's plots. We're to not put up with his activities. We're to take authority over it and cast them out. Now, verse 20, the man remarkably, look at verse 15. Listen, this man cut himself with rocks. He was a cutter. He, he harmed himself and these demons were telling him to kill himself. And this man was tormented, tormented, and no one could help him. Nobody had the answers. No one could rescue him. No one could help him or save him. 
until Jesus walked into his life. And so it is today. People try this and they try that. And until they meet the master, they're not going to get the help that they need. Oh, how we need to be introducing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, look. I want you to look at verse 15. People began coming. People started tweeting out. Not really. They didn't have that back then. But word spread really fast. And crowds began to gather. And they saw this man who had been so tormented. And look at verse 15. He was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 19, he wants to go with Jesus, but Jesus tells him, no, stay here. Tell what the Lord's done for you. And look at verse 20. And he went all over the region saying what God had done for him. Friends, you ought to be telling your testimony. Some of you, God rescued out of the pit of hell. Some of you... God rescued you out of a spirit of suicide and you need to be telling others who are dealing with suicide how God set you free. Some of you know the torment of the enemy and God made you a new creation. God took you out of the miry pit and he set you up on a solid rock and you ought to be telling others how God did it. And you ought to be telling people, if God did it for me, God can most certainly do it for you. Share your story. Craft your story. Let the gospel be heard and seen in your life that God may be glorified and other people may be rescued to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Now, verse 21. You know, Jesus damaged the economy. These 2,000 pigs were a big part of their economy. God's people raising ungodly things. Boy, isn't that just like our generation today? God's people involved in all kinds of wickedness and uncleanness. And Jesus hurt their wallets. And they tell him to leave. I want you to think about that. Instead of rejoicing that a man who they were all afraid of, no one could subdue him, chains couldn't work, he cut himself with rocks, and God saved him. And instead of rejoicing, they told Jesus, go away. Because they loved their money. So Jesus gets into his boat. Now they sail west. And they're going to go to the west side of the shore. Verse 21, now verse 22, we meet an interesting man. His name is Jairus. You know, so rare does the Bible tell us names. And normally it just says a man, a man or a woman, as we see today, the woman with the blood disease. And the Bible tells his name, Jared. Now, why was he a ruler of the synagogue? A synagogue, you know, they worshiped and sacrificed in the temple. But a synagogue, as it is today in Jewish religion, a synagogue is a house of teaching. It's a house of scripture reading and And the way that you would start a synagogue, you had to have 10 men come together. We would call it today like a board of directors. And you have 10 men who come together. They pull the resources together and they establish a synagogue. And out of those 10 men, you would choose a leader or a ruler. In our culture today, we would call it the chairman. So essentially, Jairus was the chair of the rulers or the board of directors of the synagogue. He was the chairman. He was the ruler. A very high position, a very honored position. And he puts that to the side, and he comes to Jesus. And in verse 22, he says, my little girl 
is at the point of death. Will you come and will you touch her and heal her? Verse 23, Jesus begins to make his way, and the Bible says he's pressed by a great crowd. Now, I want you to think about this, church. I want you to think what's going on right here. Jesus is dealing with hurting people. Now, think about this. We're talking about a day that if you suffered a disease, you didn't have hospitals like we have today. You did not have clinics. You did not have advanced medicines or advanced science or technology. You didn't have the universities of Vanderbilt. You didn't have Wake Forest and Duke and UVA. And you didn't have these places of advanced medicine that you could go. And you didn't have treatment programs. And you didn't have powerful drugs. You didn't have any of this stuff. And I want you to imagine how desperate someone would feel that they are dying in their body and they've heard the report, if you just, if Jesus will touch you, you will be healed. I want you to think of the desperation of people. And not only are you dealing with people of diseases, you're dealing with demon-possessed people. Look at the man, look how many times in Mark he, he encounters the demoniac. I mean, I want, I want you to picture in your mind this massive crowd, and they're all trying to touch Jesus. This is a dangerous situation. The gospel, some, they at times use the word crushed. Jesus was almost crushed by the press of the crowd. Everyone is trying to get to him. Everyone's trying to touch him, and people are desperate. This is a dangerous situation. And everywhere he goes, crowds are following And he starts to make his way to Jairus' house when all of a sudden a woman presses her way through the crowd and something remarkable happens. She says in her heart, listen, God put faith in this woman's heart. We don't know her name, but God put faith in her heart. And she said in her heart, because she had heard, read it in Mark, she had heard the reports about Jesus. And God put faith in her heart and she said, if I could just touch His garments. Now the other gospels give us some insight. What she meant was the fringe, the tassels, the blue line of the bottom of his garment. Now why is that significant? You want to learn something right now? Let's learn God's word together. If you're going to take notes, I want you to carefully note this. The hem of a Jewish garment was highly significant. Now, in our culture today, think about this. Think about military. Think about law enforcement. We wear our um, badges. Rank is a good word. We wear our rank on our clothing, right? Think of a military general. Think of all of their rank that they would wear right there. Think of uh, the sleeve, how you, you, know, you can look and tell a sergeant in law enforcement or you can tell you know, all of these different rank by their sleeve, right? We put our pedigree, we put our notoriety, we put our rank on our garments. We even do it in our day. In Jesus' day, they did this on the hem of the garment. Why? You got to go back to Numbers chapter 15. At the end of Numbers 15, God gives specific instructions. He says, put tassels on the bottom of the garments and put a blue line through the fringe. Now, why does that matter? The blue line through the fringe. Well, what they would do in these days is whatever your rank was in society... 
or whatever your pedigree was or whatever your family lineage was, there would be special stitching along the hem of the garment. Now, listen to this. This is fascinating. A man could divorce his wife by cutting the hem of the garment. Do you know what he was saying symbolically? You're cut off from the family. Terrible thing. It goes even deeper in 1 Samuel chapter 24. See, I never realized this. When Saul goes into the cave trying to hunt and kill David, do you remember the story in 1 Samuel 24? Saul goes into a cave, and unbeknownst to him, it is the same cave that David and his men are in the inner part. And David's men says, here we go, David. The Lord has given Saul into your hand. Kill him now. And do you remember what David said? He's the Lord's anointed. It's not my place. So do you remember what David does? David cuts what Scripture says, the corner of his robe. Do you know what David cut? The hem of his garment. Saul's asleep. David cuts the hem. David sneaks off to a tall hill, and he wakes Saul up, and he shows him the hem of his garment. And he says, the Lord gave you into my hand, and I could have killed you, but you are the Lord's anointed. And the Lord smote David's heart. The Lord convicted David of just cutting the corner of his robe. Do you know why? Because what David did, he interfered with Saul's lineage. The lineage was sown into the hem. And that's why Saul, when he realized it, Yells to David, swear to me, you will not cut off my offspring when I'm dead. Because David cut the hem. Very significant. So the woman says to herself, if I could just touch the fringe, if I could just touch the robe, I know I would be made well. And so here is another crowd, just like the problem with the paralytic man in chapter 2. Here's another throng of people. And what does she do? She presses her way toward the master. She touches him. And what does the Bible say? Fascinating. The Bible says immediately, there's our word, ethos in the Greek. Immediately, Jesus perceives that power goes out from him. And Jesus looks around and says, who touched me? And the disciples, boy, aren't they always saying the wrong things? And the disciples go, how can you say who touched me? There's a throng of people. I mean, people are desperate. It's dangerous. They're crushing him. And he goes, how can you say who touched me? And Jesus said, no, someone touched me differently. And the Bible says he looked around. Now, why do you suppose it says he looked around? Do you think that Jesus really didn't know who touched him? Absolutely not. You know how I know Jesus knew who touched him? Because do you remember when he told Nathaniel to follow him? Remember what Jesus told him? You were sitting underneath a fig tree. And Nathaniel said that's when he knew he was the son of God. Now there's way more to that than meets the eye. I can't wait to get to heaven and say, Nathaniel, tell me what happened underneath that fig tree. 
Because you know what I think was going on? I think Nathaniel was having a moment with God that he was laying down his life. He was surrendering his life. He was saying, God, will you use me? God, I yield myself. I give myself to you. I think he had a moment with God that Jesus said, I heard every word you said, and here's what you told God. Something major was going on. And Nathaniel said, you're the son of God. Nobody else would have known that. So you don't think Jesus didn't know who touched him? Oh, he well knew who touched him. But you know what he did? He gave this woman an opportunity. And look what the, oh, thank God. Hallelujah. The Bible says this woman came to the Lord with fear and trembling. And she knelt before him. And, and listen to the language. And she told Jesus the whole truth. <laughs> Let me tell you, precious friend, today. You can tell Jesus all about it. You can tell him everything about your life. You can tell him all of your worst sins. You can tell him all of your horrible mistakes. You can tell him all about your regrets. You can tell him all about your past. You can tell him all about your fear. You can tell him everything that troubles you, every anxiety that you face, every fear you have. Let me tell you, you can tell Jesus all of it. Amen. And why didn't Jesus go, oh, it was you? Because Jesus forever set an example that you can come to Jesus and you can tell him the whole truth of the matter. Amen. Isn't that precious? And then Jesus tells this woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be healed. And the Bible says immediately that blood issue, that discharge of blood, that plague, that disease of her blood, immediately it dried up and she was made whole. Amen. Now the story doesn't end. In verse number 35, in verse number 35, the servants come to Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and they give him the worst possible news. Than anybody could ever hear. His daughter had died. I can't imagine that. I just can't imagine. We've ministered to many people who've lost children. And it doesn't matter if it's an infant, an adolescent, a young adult, or a grown adult. When someone loses a child, it's the worst pain. And I can't imagine how Jairus felt. And... Again, listen, this is an eternal example. The servants tell Jairus, don't trouble the teacher any longer. Why do you think Scripture says that? Let me tell you why. It's to teach us, church, you never trouble Jesus with your problems. Never. You never annoy Jesus by going to him. Let me tell you, the devil would tell you, Run away. No, you run to the Lord. You don't run away from him. Amen. And in verse 37, Jesus tells him something quite remarkable. I can't imagine the emotion that Jairus felt. I can't imagine how his heart broke. He put his reputation on the line. He put his good name on the line. He put his high position in society on the line to go to the master to find help for his daughter. And I can't imagine how his heart broke when he heard the words, it's too late, your daughter has died. 
She was only 12 years old. And you know what Jesus says in verse 37? He said something so contrary to our nature. Jesus looks at Jairus and says, Do not fear, only believe. Thank you so much for listening to our broadcast today. I did want to take just a moment and mention our store. If you go to our website, awakenedtograce.com, just navigate to the store page and you're going to find music by all of our awakened artists and plenty of books by Pastor Chad. Also, while you're on the website, you can view Pastor Chad's story about his blindness and what the Lord is doing through him through Awakened to Grace and through our church, Preaching Christ Church. Thank you so much for joining us today on Awakened to Grace.